You're listening to the TV Obsessive channel, presented by tvobsessive.com. Okay, welcome back to the TV Obsessive podcast. As always, I'm Cameron Crane, executive editor of tvobsessive.com, uh, joined by Ryan Kirksey, writer and contributor for the site. We're here with our 11th episode. How are you doing today, Ryan? Well, I don't think I can podcast her anymore, Cameron. I think I'd like to be traded. Um, oh, so no. Need you, need you to work on that. I just gave you a 25-year contract. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen so, any money yet. So that's surprising. That's surprising. <laughs> I know it doesn't kick in for a few years, but <laughs> at your current deal, you know. Yeah, no, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy with my my current deal, and I guess uh, I guess I'll I'll keep going, even though I'm uh, you know I'm not so sure about this system, but uh, we'll, we'll keep going. All right. Well, that's that, that, that's good. That's good. How's how's things going for you today? Well, it's going pretty well. Uh, yeah, we're sitting here. It's August 29th. Summer's coming to a close. At least felt summer. Technically, summer lasts until like what September 21st or something, but you know. But, and in Texas, it's in the, Texas is December twenty first. That's the official end end of summer. How many seasons do you have in Texas? Two, one and a half. One and a half. Okay. Long, long summer and then mild mild spring. That's that's it. You don't call it. Do you, does that how people refer to it, or do you call it winter? <laughs> no, we get we get a mild winter, a short spring, and a long summer. That's how we we refer to it. No fall. Barely, no, no fall. Yeah, that's a shame, man. I, I like know. the fall. I'm I looking know. forward to fall, the fall. fall. Fall is my favorite. Football's coming. New shows are coming. I love fall, but we don't really get it in Texas. No, no, that's all right. Well, what's in the news this week? What do we got? Yeah, not too much. We're, uh, you know, we we talked about this last week. We're still waiting for news on some strike related things so in in the absence of some of that a couple of things caught my eye this week we're starting to get a few you know, bits of news and notes for the fall we did see that the idol was canceled by hbo i did not watch this controversial show the idol did you see this show at all i couldn't help it i, che- I checked out the first episode and I feel like I checked out the first episode out of like a prurient interest or something, yeah. you know, it's like, and, and I was like a little disappointed that it wasn't, I, I felt like I was promised more salaciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was, I was kind of bored. Um, and I didn't watch it anymore. Yeah. I, so I don't, I don't know. Several I mean, people who gave it one episode and then that, that was about it. It's uh, a lot of people gave it, you know, I mean, it got a lot of negative press from the content, you know, um, and uh, whatever. I wanted to give it a chance, but it didn't, it didn't, it didn't yeah. grab me, I guess. That's uh, yeah. So that's it for the the idol. Um, I, I did notice something interesting. There's some really fun for this day in TV history sites out there. And one today sort of caught my interest as we've talked about for the proliferation of networks and streaming services that, did you know that on this date back in 1967, at that time, the largest TV audience ever sat down and watched the finale of The Fugitive, Dr. Richard Kimball, 78 million people tuned in to find out who killed his his wife. I don't know who it was in the show. I know who it was in the movie, but that's just... I haven't seen it. <laughs> 78 million people watched this episode yeah. of television that, that neither of us have seen, apparently. That, that's just an astonishing, an astonishing number when you think about today when the finales, maybe the best shows might get 8, 9, 10 million. I mean, you might oh, yeah. 78 million people watching something. Well, it's, a, it's a different world, though. We're just old enough to kind of know. You know, I mean, like, we aren't we weren't neither of us were alive for, for this um yeah. event but where we are i think both of us old enough to remember you know when we were kids and what i don't know what would have been really big like dynasty and dallas and stuff yeah. like that um i did do a little bit of research on this there are only about three things maybe four that top said this 78 million if you don't count like super bowls and I, moon, I, moon landing I think I can guess one. Okay, I mean there are there's one that is 
tied, roughly essentially tied, and three that are definitely more than the fugitive. So let's see see how you do. This is this is we're guessing the number of people who watched the thing. Yeah, number number of viewers, not Neil Nielsen or household number of viewers. Number of viewers. So I'm presuming were um, in the probably everything's going to be a bit older, you know, as we were discussing because. Part of the point I was saying before is that it used to be so limited what was available, you know. Um, so uh, maybe I'll guess a couple. The, the, the first one that came to mind to me was uh, MASH. Yeah, uh, no, number one overall, 105 million people watched the end of MASH. Yeah. I know that was a big deal. <laughs> um, trying, uh, you know, a couple more. Um, I don't know. How about the finale of Friends? Only there? about, not quite, only about 55 million. Um, of Seinfeld, I'm getting lost in the weeds now. Yes, so Seinfeld, just shy of the future, Seinfeld had just under 77 million people watch it. Uh, I'm stumped. I just remember when the finale of Seinfeld was on, I had band practice. Yeah. Like, I couldn't watch it. It was like everyone knew the finale of Seinfeld was on. I'm like, well, yeah. I've got some trombone to play. <laughs> what, what else on the list? I get so the only other two. So, Mash 105, the finale of the miniseries Roots at 100 million people. Right. And then at 80 point something million, the finale of Cheers. Oh. You know what's really great about that is I'm not sure I even know what happens in the finale of Cheers. It's a, it's a good finale. It, it, it's one of the better tie a story together finales out there. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go watch. It. I love Cheers. I've seen. I don't. Maybe I haven't seen all of Cheers. I can't recall what happens in the finale of Cheers. I know yeah. it happens in the finale of Seinfeld. Yes, and yeah. I will defend it. <laughs> but yeah, so Cheers. If you watch, it's got one of the more famous or last lines of uh, of a show's finale. So yeah, go 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 check that one out. Anyway, that's all I've got for for this week. Any other news caught your eye? Uh, yeah, I mean, on the older TV front, uh, another. Big name death. Bob Barker passed away this week at uh, 99 years old. Just under 100 without going over. Yeah, um, this was, I, I mean, this one hits home because if you're you're my age. So one of the best things about you know, getting sick and staying home from school was getting to watch Prices Right and, you yeah. know, even watching it as an adult. That that was a just, I mean, just, just iconic. Not I think... Of- I've been thinking about that because it seems like everyone says that, like everyone has this memory. Mm -hmm. When I was sick as a kid, I stayed home and watched The Price is Right. And I'm thinking, yeah, no, I definitely agree. But also like it was only on for an hour. Yeah. So like the impact that it made on us, there would be (laughs) like, oh, but I'm home from 11 to noon or whatever. And, you know, and and then what? You watch, you watch, uh, Donahue or something. That was probably probably because it was like the only thing on network TV that we found enjoyable. And then it was like Donahue and Oprah took, you know, like you you, you got prices right. And then it went straight into soap operas and talk shows for the rest of the day. Right. No. Yeah, exactly. But Guiding Light is next up or whatever it was. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, R.I.P. Bob Barker, a legend. Remember to have your pet spayed or neutered. (laughs) <laughs> in honor of Bob Barker. A um, couple other little things. Uh, apparently, H- um, sorry, Max is uh, going to have some AMC shows for the next couple of months. It's like a list of seven shows. People can look this up. Mostly, I'm just noting it, kind of hitting this beat we've been on in terms of what's going on in the industry, what's going on in the streaming industry. We have another licensing agreement here. So personally, I kind of predict we're going to see more of this kind of stuff. I don't know what all we'll see, but you know the um, along with the strikes and however that's related, the um, I don't know. I'm going to say fantasy of like each main production company having their own in-house streaming service and not sharing seems to be kind of falling away a bit. Yeah, I think whenever there's a deal to be made and money to be shared, they're going to figure out a way to do it. Particularly right now, as they may be hurting for content or ad dollars or whatever it is but you're right there's going to be a proliferation of this i think in much much more than we have now in the years to come it's really interesting to me because it kind of started that way you know i think that what i think of the as the heyday of netflix 
they were like the only streaming service. They pulled right. all this stuff in from all over the place. And then each place said, we're going to make our own. They took their stuff away from Netflix, you know. So we'll, we'll see. Um, speaking of the strike, I was telling you uh, right before we got on air, This I just saw the story like literally, you know, minutes before we um, met up today. Let me pull it up real quick. So it's going to be a podcast with Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, Stephen Colbert, Seth Myers, and John Oliver. And, um, you know, the, the late night shows were one of the first things to stop airing new episodes when the writers strike hit. And um, so apparently, I don't know, I mean, I guess they're going to talk about the strike and labor issues, like that's the plan. And the proceeds that they get are going to well, help their striking staffers or, you know, Maybe not not just the striking staffers, not just the writers, but the staffs of the shows in general, yeah. um, who sort of aren't working um, because of the strike. So I thought that was kind of cool. I don't know. I've been missing the late night shows. What about you? Yeah, it's the same with me. I mean, number one, good good for them. Good good initiative. Good things to do is they support the people that um, that work so hard for them. I know there were some similar creative structures that were that were put together during covid to to help those those people along when those shows shut down but i think my first thought when i saw this was yeah it does say that they're going to spend this time on the podcast talking about the strike it's like yeah how much are can, can you say how you know how long can this podcast go on before you know we all get kind of bored of that talk really you're going to branch out at at some point i'm mean, i like all these guys but to hear all five of them talk about just the strike, you know, every, every week. I'm not sure how long that will, <laughs> that yeah, will I don't know. keep I'm it I'm curious audience. about it, how much they pull in past experiences, how, yeah. how kind of um, worker friendly it is in general, you know, uh, I, I'm really kind of curious about it. But yeah. I guess they're not really filling that uh, void of the late night talk shows for me with this. Like you, well, here's the people, but you know, yeah. The Daily Show used to have this line, um, tagline of uh, where more people get their news than probably should. Oh yeah, that's it's always been me a little bit. <laughs> a little bit, you know, like uh, I'll read the news and stuff, but like, yeah. So, I, but I, maybe that's good. I pay a little bit less attention to all of this nonsense out there. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's about all we have for news. Um, what have you been watching lately? Yeah, you're right. Relatively um, light week. Um, so I did. We talked about this last week, and I did write up the first two episodes up on on the site, tvobsessive.com right now. So last week, first two episodes of Ahsoka on Disney+. Plus. Tonight, we're recording on Tuesday. Tonight will be the third episode that will air, and so we'll be putting some thoughts down about, about that episode soon. And so um, uh, will you give me one minute just to sort of talk about uh, Ahsoka here, just sort of address some things that have come up this week about, about that. This is many, many, many soapbox, many soapbox. All right. Um, The the floor is yours, right? So I enjoyed this show. I thought that it was, well done. I thought that it was creative. I thought that the new characters were very compelling. Um, I, I found myself drawn to the story and enjoyed it. But I realized that I think I enjoyed it so much because I had just spent so much time invested in Star Wars Rebels and Clone Wars and Tales of the Jedi and all the material that needed to be there for each of the pieces of these first two episodes to make sense. And so I think the real criticism of this show that's come out of last week is if you have not done those things, it's interesting. It's um, perhaps I think you appreciate sort of what the story is, that's being told and sort of what's being put together with the universe. But as I put in my piece, if you're just a, you know, if if you love the Star Wars movies and you watch the Obi-Wan Kenobi show and you um, are a fan of all those characters, but you said, well, the animated stuff is not for me, then you do not understand or know or get the background of any of these characters in this show whatsoever. And so the people that are saying, well, I can't get into it because I don't have all the background and all the details. I get that. And 
think that you know television should be enjoyed by anyone that wants to wants to watch it. So I'm sort of torn there between the idea of they need to give some of this typical Star Wars fan service versus continue this story that was told through these things that frankly many people have not watched. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, speaking on it in a general way, I do sometimes feel like it's faded a little bit. Like, I, I feel like the old ethos used to be everything had to stand on its own, mm-hmm. you know? And you think about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, does everything stand on its own? I'm not I'm not so sure anymore, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, in other words, you could make a sequel but and 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 it's meaningfully a sequel or a trilogy or whatever but like the focus on this is also a self-contained enjoyable film you know yep. like maybe, maybe you could enjoy this without without the background um on on television front i recall um i think i recall vince gilligan even saying something like that about el camino the Breaking Bad movie. He, he was like, well, we tried to make this as a movie that you could, in theory, watch and enjoy if you hadn't seen Breaking Bad. I mean, you know, continue to say, like, I don't know why you would do that. But, um, yeah. Yeah. But um, so that's interesting. The other thing that put me in mind of you, though, is I haven't watched Ahsoka, but as much as I sometimes will rail against exposition, maybe just give more exposition you know like there's a way yeah. to do it to just get it out of the way like you think about the beginning of the lord of the rings movies you know <laughs> you're just like here's a bunch of narration all right now we're good <laughs> you know um, yeah yeah so yeah, and, and we got the we got an interesting variation of the famous star wars scroll at the beginning of the of the show that gave a brief bit of background but they you know all throughout are referencing Ezra Bridger and Thrawn and and uh, Canon Jarrus and all these people that you say, okay, I, I don't know any of those names, and you wouldn't unless you spent some the amount of time with with these things. So again, I'm sort of of two minds about it. Um, it they could do what they want, but it's you know it's it's serving one audience one way, one audience another way. I think it would have been amusing if they'd had just a really long scroll thing. That I mean. <laughs> yeah. Just as like have people like pausing, like as if reading this like really, really long scroll that summarizes like everything yeah. that happened at Star Wars Rebels. Um, but cool, yeah. yeah, anyway, so yeah. Just just many um, soapbox that that and some of the things we've talked about in previous weeks, kind of all that I'm tuned into at the moment. Right on. So um, one thing I was going to mention is. Also on the night is uh, the finale of Justified City Primeval. I've been writing on week to week. I haven't necessarily been banging the drum for it all along as hard as I could, but I am excited for this finale and I'm excited for people to see it. Um, have you kept up with the show, Ryan? I have still only seen the first first episode. I think after, after my Star Wars deep dive, I'll be able to give some more time to it, but still only the first one in. Right on. We, I, I don't think you have time to catch up by tonight. <laughs> no, I don't. Um, be careful, or or just don't care about spoilers. You know, yeah, just just, yeah. just put on the, you know, to take on the camera ethos and just say, you know what, good <laughs> stuff can't be spoiled. That's right. Um. So yeah, I mean, I think that's why we were talking about what's what's coming up. You know, we're about to dig into winning time. Um, we don't know what's going to be on HBO at nine PM after winning time is over. Um, yeah, we've we've long, had this long this long stretch now of White Lotus and Last of Us and Succession and Winning Time and of all these 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 significant major shows that have done so well in past years or have come out and been major hits like Last of Us. Um, and you and I were both checking, and we just don't know in three weeks' time after Winning Time ends what's going to fill that slot until potentially maybe down the road we get true detective season four with jody foster uh you mentioned there's another show on the way at the end of october but yeah, yeah. we don't know exactly what's coming this is what i noticed looking into it that if they put the gilded age, the gilded age season two on sunday night it looks like starting october 29th i believe this was a monday show mm. during season one um for whatever that's worth it's just like the 9 p.m. Sunday spot on HBO. Yeah. Clearly they treat us their prestige spot. Like that's where they put the the you know most prestige show they have at my read on it anyway. 
So, um, but there's like five weeks, I think I counted between the end of winning time and the beginning of that. So yeah, I was speculating you. I, I I'm I'm guessing they're gonna like throw in some documentary. I don't know. Or <laughs> they they have some other mini series that's um five weeks long. But it gets yeah. me wondering in a broader sense, are they are they already kind of starting to run out of content? You know. Yeah. Um, because Stretch, of the strikes and stretching so things out as far as they can, yeah, yeah, and and I don't know that that's pure speculation, but um, I'd love to see True Detective sometime soon. Is it done? I have no idea. That that's um, I think the the question is. We've seen a trailer, we've seen the synopsis, we know that most or all of the principal photography, but I don't know about any edits or what they might have to do to sort of touch things up. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they run these things they run up against the wire a lot of times. I don't know if people know this, but yeah. once I started getting some some screeners and some early access, every so often you'll run to something that's like, well, this isn't completely done. You yeah. know, you, you can watch it, but here's a note about, you know, the, the added dialogue. Or whatever. It's, uh, so, um, why am I blanking on that acronym again? But anyway, they can't do that. You know, sometimes they go back and they add lines in later. Yes, yes. Um, and they can't do that because the actors are on strike. Exactly. So, yeah. We'll see. We I mean, I, I know there are, there are other things coming. Um, the morning show and Apple TV, if you Apple TV Plus is coming back. Um, there's a show I, I got intrigued by the trailer trailer called The Changeling, also on Apple TV Plus. That's coming. So there are things coming in the in the fall. We just don't have a lot of details or know when and and how soon we'll get some of this stuff. Yeah. We were talking a little bit about the change line. So I'm planning on writing on that for the site. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, neither have I read the book. It is based on a book, mm-hmm. like an award-winning horror fantasy novel, I think. Interesting. Is. And I don't have the author's name with ready either. We'll talk about it again later. Yeah. I'll write on it. You're going to watch it. Maybe we'll talk about the book. Maybe we'll dig into it even if it's good. Hey, um, why not? In the latter part of the, the yeah. podcast. We're going to have to, at some point, sort of break our HBO streak. We're going to have to move on to some other... <laughs> if somebody else has anything worth covering, we'll have to move on to another another network. Yeah. At some point, but well, we hey, Maybe not. We, hey, man, we started with the bear. That's right. You know, That's I right. mean, it's not... Uh, but I do like... I do like what we're doing here with Winning Time, where we're doing an episode of the podcast per episode of the show, something that airs weekly. I like that model. So we'll yeah. have to see... Um, we haven't even really talked about what we're going to do after this, but we have a few more weeks before that uh, becomes <laughs> pressing, I guess. Um, yeah. On that note, um, should we get to winning time? I- I'd ready? love to. This was a fun episode. Let's get into episode four. All right. Sounds good. So as always, um, we're going to take a short little break here. I'll pop in a little music. Uh, on the other side of that, we're going to dig into winning time season two, episode four, the title of which I don't have in front of me. Um, anyways, the one that aired two days ago, and um, spoilers on the table for everything in winning time up to and including season two, episode four. Uh, so do be aware of that, and um, we'll pick up in just a few seconds. Okay, so we're back uh, talking about Winning Time Season 2, Episode 4. Ryan's just giving me the title, The New World, which that's kind of an interesting title. I didn't really... It, it, is, it is. It is. I'm, I'm curious of the multi-layer behind behind that, but yeah, uh, New World, Episode 4. How do you interpret this? It doesn't seem like a Columbus reference or something. <laughs> Based on the trailer for next week, I almost think that the New World or the New World Order is coming in episode five. Yeah, so uh, next week. As of next yeah. week. What, 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 is, what does it have to do here? So we've got here, we've got, you know, he's got the um, $25 million contract in the episode that gets leaked to the press by Red Arbach. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, 
Kareem's upset, of course. Everyone's upset. Everyone is upset in every which way in this episode. <laughs> no one is happy. And throughout the entirety of the episode, Paul Westhead makes it worse. That's 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 my summary. Like he, he he's constantly turning around trying to placate someone, and in his attempt to placate that person, manages to not only not placate them, but piss them off in addition to the person he'd already pissed off. And he does that over and over again over the course of the hour, basically. <laughs> Does that seem like a fair summary? That, that seems like a, a, a fair summary, culminating in a cliffhanger where Magic Johnson asks for, I don't say asks, he tells the press that he'd like a trade. Yeah. Right. So we have to first look at this. Is, this is a significant thing to end on. So did this actually happen? Right. Yes, this actually happened. There was a New York Times article mm-hmm. that quotes Magic Johnson. You can go back and find this. He did say that he would like a trade. Now, obviously, this is before the course of some events we anticipate is going to happen in the next episode. But Magic was very unhappy under this Paul Westhead regime. And the two just could not, even after a five-game winning streak, it, uh, which was depicted in the episode, could not get along. Yeah. And um, I suppose we'll, we'll hold off on what happens next. You know, we know what happens next. People listening yep. may wait to know what <laughs> happens next. But like those are, that's directly what's going to happen in episode five. It's it's absolutely clear. Like you know, if you know the history, how much more than that might happen in episode five? I don't know. This one I did think was interesting because it's kind of bookended with uh, stuff about his massive contract at the beginning, and mm-hmm. then the trade request at the end. Um, now, of course that. Contract. I don't know if we. I don't know if we hit on this detail previously, for sure or not. Um, that contract kicks in 1984, I believe. After right? the first so, deal, yeah, yeah. So it was just it was a 25 year contract extension. Um, yeah, for for what it's worth, I'm not sure how much he was getting paid at that exact present moment, but still, you go the swing from. Precisely as Jerry Buss framed it, this is a lifelong commitment to the Lakers to um, requesting a trade, demanding a trade, however you want to put this. Uh, That's quite a swing. And obviously there's fictionalization that occurs in the episode and we don't know certain things. Like at one moment he's trying to talk to Jerry Buss and Jerry Buss kind of like... Mm -hmm. um, not ignores him. It was like, yeah. hey, yeah, don't worry, don't worry about it. Let Paul do his job or whatever. Uh, I don't know, um, but uh, we do know these things happen. Now, do you, do you know the detail, Ryan? If this, if he actually like said in the locker room like that, is that known or? I know he requested a trade, but do we? Know yeah, the I don't know the specific, but I can only imagine. You know, at least back in those days, there was you know, a press scrum in the locker room after a certain period of time after the team came in after a game. So just sort of, you know, what was depicted there is what would typically happen. You just crowd around a guy's locker and try to get any kind of quote out of him that you can. So, you know, that type of environment or sort of pushing down on somebody probably led him to snap more than he already had in the game. Um, so I, I imagine it was something similar, although yes. than what we saw there, yeah. It seemed plausible to me. Yeah, but I, I didn't know for sure if that was exactly how it happened. But um, yeah, it, de- it definitely seemed plausible. And they won that game, right? But, you know, uh, prior to that, you have Magic not entering the huddle and all of that. Um, this is accurate as well, right? Yeah, all, all this is is extremely accurate. Um the team in 1981-82 started seven and four. They did start two and four, then they ended up seven and four. This seven and four point sort of becomes um, a pivotal moment in the season, which again, we'll sure we'll see next uh, next week. But yeah, this sort of shaky start, the winning streak, the frustration about the uh, how what style of play the Paul Westhead has put into the team, and then. Uh, apparently, the real story is before halftime of this game, Magic was off getting a cup of water, and Hawesed thought it took him too long to get into the huddle. Then at the end of the game, in this game in Salt Lake, he thought he once again took him too long to get into the huddle, so he chewed him out. 
And so Magic didn't appreciate that, kind of stormed off. And then the locker room after the game, presumably, is when he said something about wanting a wanting a trade. Yeah, Paul Westhead. And and certainly so the other thing we have a note here, the the, the sports illustrated story. This could not have helped. This is this is ridiculous. Paul Westhead has gone from I mean, I liked him. I like Jason Siegel. I like the portrayal, the um, the kind of background of him as a college professor or whatever, too. I found, yeah. I found endearing at first. Like, I can relate. People don't know I you know, do something similar. Um, <laughs> but he's really, he really took the turn towards, like, pretentious douchebag with all yep. of this stuff. Uh and then that uh, Sports Illustrated story, that, that is real as well. Yes. We that, right? uh, yes. <laughs> and, and kudos to Jason Siegel, you know, a guy who has spent most of his career playing characters that are, are sort of endearing or that you 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 really can relate to, funny characters. Um, he's sort of taken this dramatic turn in uh, shrinking that show that he's on with Harrison Ford and now this uh, this show as well, but sort of really having to play a bad guy that absolutely no one on the show or audience watching the show could possibly could possibly like. I mean, I just think the performance has been has been great. Sadly, it's probably about to come to an end. Well, I don't know. Well, yeah, for him, probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, 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 I thought you were. Yeah, it, it's very hard to like not talk about what's going to happen next. <laughs> uh, I mean, we're we're talking about the history in general terms. I just feel like this is so. Yeah. I mean, people know the broad strokes. I'm just just trying to keep us from hitting the precise detail, but yeah, we're obliquely doing it anyway. I guess. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I love his uh, uh, Seagull's performance is just. I love his little facial tics and stuff. Like in that scene where he's talking to Jerry Buss, um, he keeps making these little facial movements all the time. And um, I don't know. Just As I say, it just seems like he's he's constantly trying to placate someone, but he just keeps making everything worse than everyone hated him. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that about the, sort of the facial tic, because he constantly looks to me like he is thinking and calculating something while he's talking at the same time, right? Like he's trying to come up with the next anecdote or phrase or saying or, or historical moment he could attach this to. And he, he just is always, um, I, I, I don't know. It's just the very slight mannerisms that I think have really made this such a, such a good character again for somebody that, you know, how much fun must it be to play somebody everybody, everybody hates. I don't know, but he's really, I think found the right way to do it. Yeah. When we see him falling into a bit of the, um, I don't know. Like he thinks he's a superstar, right? He was even like clubbing at one point. Yeah. You know? Uh he he's definitely got an inflated ego from I don't know the, the championship. He thinks the system works. Yeah. I mean, even though they got knocked out the um previous season by the Rockets and so on as we talked about, it's just not his fault. Um he says something like you can plug anyone into the system. Yeah. That's not making your guys happy either, <laughs> you know. This is just, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I found it. I found it interesting to balance that aspect of he's sort of become this guy in the show who tests every limit of power that he has and will exert every limit of power that he has, whether in with management meetings with players on the court, you know, anything that he that he has. And then he has this this dinner meeting with his old buddy, his old coach, Jack McKinney who for the first time in a long time, somebody sort of puts him in his place and tells him they're going to knock him down a peg. And he just didn't know how to respond to that. And I found yeah. it to be sort of this interesting revisit of that, this guy that he used to be so subservient to now saying, I'm going to sort of take you down inch by inch. Um, I was glad to see Jack McKinney again. Yeah. Love seeing Jack McKinney. And I mean, I know he, he kind of took a heel turn in some ways also, but um, with, not without warrant, you know, um, but I thought that was great. They start out there meeting, and they're all friendly, you know, the restaurant or whatever. And then Jack McKinney's like, I'm gonna expose you, <laughs> not all at once. <laughs> you do it halfway, and I'm gonna do it the rest of the way the second time we play later in the season. Yeah. And, I, and I find myself thinking, like, you get him, you get him, Jack McKinney. <laughs> But uh, he, he must have seen that the thing that happened in the huddle and then read about this trade. I mean, I'm only speculating now, but he must have right. just been 
laughing all all, all night long after seeing that seeing that happen. Of course, you know, his building. career his career doesn't go great either. He 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 moved went to the Pacers the one coach of the year, and now he's on the downward slope um, in terms of his career path. Also, yeah. I wonder if we'll see him again. Honestly, we might not see him again in the show. Yeah, we may not. Um, we may not. But it was great to see him here. Um, we kind of jumped over we, in terms of our fact checking. The Red Ar- Arbach thing. Apparently, this is not accurate from what you have. Yeah, uh, not, not accurate. Pa- pa- Red Arbach, um, a- again, owner and, and you know, basically godfather of the Celtics, was the head of the players committee that would have reviewed these types of deals. But n- no, w- once rumors of this started to leak out about the contract, just to the press in general. Jerry Buss gave a press conference announcing that this that this deal was in place, right? So they sort of put that all to bed. Red Auerbach, for as much of an much of an asshole as he is, didn't sort of stick it to Jerry Buss and just leak this to the press. Any any space for a conspiracy theory that Red Auerbach <laughs> did secretly leak it to the press? Like obviously in the show, you have him like standing up in the middle of the game, you know. <laughs> and out, but you know, any any space for that? Like as you say, he had the information. Yeah. Seems like maybe the Lakers bus was kind of trying to keep it hush hush. Yeah, they're you know, yeah. bitter rivals. Can I be a you know conspiracy? I, I mean, I would I would love for it to be true. It's certainly the context is set up for it to be true with him in that position on that committee. Uh, but in terms of what's on the record and and people have re- reported, it doesn't seem that he was the source of that. Okay. Uh, so that. we have no verification. So. <laughs> what 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 we're saying is, if Red Arbach did this, um, that's not officially known, right? Right. Uh, not, uh, not officially. And not I mean, officially. the official version, no, he didn't. He didn't do it. But it got out somehow, right? That's all I'm saying. Got that's out, right. <laughs> got out there somehow. Um, but yeah, you know, that was highly dramatized. I, I I don't know if anyone thought he actually like went up to a reporter in the middle of a game and. Yeah, I I, I mean, I'm glad that we got, you know, I don't know the validity of this preseason game between the Lakers and Celtics in L.A. Maybe maybe that happened. Maybe maybe that didn't. And I'm glad we're getting these little nuggets of Red Auerbach and the Celtics. But, man, I'm waiting for the let's have the Lakers and Celtics on the screen all the time together. Right. And we're just we haven't seen too much of that. And I'm and I'm wondering when that's going to happen over these next next few episodes do you think we'll we'll get more of that yeah i'm wondering about this i think we will and you know you were also expressing the word to me about what we get to 1984 as we previously predicted and i still predict that how much basketball is there going to be you know we, we've hit this point before that the, the strength of the show is kind of in all of the behind the scenes stuff mm-hmm. the strength of the show really isn't all the off the court stuff right so i wonder how much they'll ultimately get one more narrative step down the road yeah. and like speed race yeah. some stuff. They they, 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 all, they almost have to. I mean, again, we are 11 games into the 81-82 season, which essentially means we are just about three full seasons away from the first time these two teams meet in the finals together. Yeah. Um, one of those two teams is going to win one championship in between now and then. Um, but it, it is in terms of the pace of the show, a long time until they finally get together, but we were introduced to it in that first moments of episode one here. So I'm just sort of curious if we get there or not. Yeah. I mean, I think that could be very efficient. So there's a couple of ways they could do it. It could be one episode a season. Mm-hmm. And I think it might, it might be even more condensed, you know, like if we watch through episode five and they're like, man, how many how two days passed <laughs> or something you know? and then they'll and then they'll just kind of they, yeah. they've done this a couple of times where they really kind of race through a bunch of basketball and they put the yeah. scores on there and and all of that so um i wonder how that will go and again fingers crossed the show gets renewed for yes a third season and a fourth season if they want that however many seasons they want really honestly absolutely absolutely um, because I mean, they, uh, they they have, as we've discussed many times, they they've somewhat boxed themselves into this career of Magic Johnson the way they started the show. But you know, however many seasons it takes to get there, there's plenty of plenty of basketball and off the court content to, mm-hmm. to get us there. No, but what I'm I'm going even further. 
because I'm like, I want all of that, however <laughs> long it takes. And yeah. if they want to, if the people behind the scenes want to yeah. carry forward and do, uh, you know, Phil Jackson and Kobe and Shaq and like an, practically an entirely new cast, except for, yep. you know, who carries through? There are people who carry through. You know, uh, go for it. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. You know. Six seasons, yeah. seven, eight, you know, however, however much. Because, I mean, I just love the style of the show so much, and it's fun to be so fun to watch. But we'll see. Focus on season three for now. More winning time. Hashtag yeah. more winning time. But more winning time. More certainly watch watch this show if you're if you're on the fence about it. If they did do that, and no matter what happens over the next few seasons, you know, one group of characters that's going to remain has to be obviously the Bus family. Um, you know that family still is is in somewhat in control. The daughter's in control of the the team. They maintain this um, until Jerry's passing. I want to say only about seven or eight years ago. Uh, the, the the team has remained under his his control, and so now they they, they sort of keep inserting these things with his his daughter. Obviously, uh, Jeannie Bus has got this tension with Honey. This this woman that, that Jerry brought back into his his life. I, I just as there's so much interesting off the court and on the court basketball stuff, just kind of curious your thoughts on do we need this sort of succession in the bus family aspect of the, of the show? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like who is genie bus is kind of the reason for all of this. And mm-hmm. that's part of what makes me think, Hey, look, you could keep it going. It could become like the ultimate arc of the show could become genie buses arc. You know yep. what I mean? It could be like, hey, she's actually a great character. I just looked it up. Jerry Buss died in um, 2013, February of 2013, so a little over 10 years ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of what they're doing here, presuming they don't do that, which I think that's kind of far-fetched. Right. I understand why they're hitting on it, but yeah, I don't know how deeply invested I, I feel in... Um, what's going on with uh with the bus family particularly with the brothers you know like it's yeah the the brother shows up for 10 seconds in this episode grabs and or finds out his sister stole the last english muffin and then walks off without saying a word i mean that is just sort of showing the dynamic of how things are working in the family i'm not sure what you know what they're doing with that family now yeah i mean this is the thing it could be that they're doing it even if it hangs on viewers having knowledge of genie bus or like looking into genie bus outside of the show or something yeah. like that because you could have that arc which would be kind of not nothing to think about well like the genie bus the daughter being the heir to this whole thing particularly given when the show is set here at the beginning you know um but I don't I don't know. I just don't know how far they're going to go with that. And um I feel I feel like there was more in the first season that had to do with some of these other things around the team and the arena. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, maybe they'll bring that in a little bit more. Um, because I did I did find those storylines interesting. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the first season was all about Magic's rookie year when they win the championship. There's less conflict going on within the team, so they're focusing on conflict outside the team. Now there's so much, you know, whether dramatized or not, conflict happening amongst the teammates, among the coaches, between the coaches and the teammates, between the coaches and the owner. You know, that's really where the focus has been, much less so on the family this this time. Yeah, well, maybe there'll be some space for it, you know. Yeah, yeah. maybe they'll... Maybe there'll be a storyline that involves Jeannie Buss about how it came <laughs> to be that they had the all-star game where Marvin Gaye performed the national anthem. <laughs> that They better get there. That's coming mm-hmm. next uh, next season in basketball terms on this show. So they yeah, better, indeed. They better, they better do it. So. Give us that, episode six. Uh, yeah. So my, thing, my last question ahead. for you is just about this: these conversations we keep seeing with between Magic Johnson and his you know, used-to-be girlfriend, Cookie. Now she's with someone else and trying to start another family. Uh, spoiler alert, they end up together in the long term, Cookie and Magic Johnson do. So um, just, I don't know, do you feel like these phone calls they keep having are just for exposition's sake? Do you feel like that they add something 
to it? Is it just to get inside Magic's head without having to, you know, do a thought bubble over him? What, what's the story there? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't do a ton for me. I guess, I mean, I can see why it's there. You're kind of keeping that going um, as a thread of the narrative, you know, um, including Sammy Demi to say the thread includes Magic's kind of personal life and sex life more broadly, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and that makes some sense. I don't know about how they're doing it. Um, I'm prone to kind of agree with your complaint slash question or something. And these scenes aren't doing a, a ton for me, but if, if I don't know. I mean, any thoughts on how else they might approach this? If you want to kind of keep that alive as an aspect of the story? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's a good question. A way to keep her as a part of Magic's life when we know that you know so much of his future is going to be with her. Um, a, a way to introduce the audience or expose the audience to what magic is is feeling although i feel like they do a good job of him having conversations with jerry bus or having these arguments with his teammates or confronting the coach um and, and so I, I don't know i think maybe what you said could, could be it there's just a way to keep her engaged in this story so that when she becomes a bigger part of it we know why um but i have no idea about the validity of how often they talked on the phone and and, and all this stuff you know no no concept of that yeah, I don't, I don't either. Um, or I don't know if anyone knows that kind of question. Yeah. But I, I do think back to, again, how they started season one, which was with this HIV diagnosis, that there is a sense in which that dad is a is the big arc, you know? And so something about this, I guess, does kind of tie into um, these things regarding Magic's, Magic's personal life. And Yeah, I don't know. I mean... Yeah. I'm curious. There there are some, I mean, I hate to say this for a show that I, you know, really, really like, but to, to me, there's there's so much that entertains me. There's there's some fat that could be trimmed, I, I think is is what I have to feel about some of these some of these storylines or put on the back burner into another time when they're more relevant to what's going on. So again, it doesn't take away from my enjoyment of it. Just sort of curious why we keep needing to force cookie in there and force force genie in there and, and and just sort of have them be on the screen for a few minutes just so we don't forget about them yeah it does it does feel a little bit that way but what we want i guess is we want more um pat riley paul west said we didn't hit on pat riley enough in this episode yeah as of yet the big thing that stood out to me was how i mean you have the scenes where he and paul west are arguing and adrian brody's great you know just kind of great but um as things are coming to a head, I, I love this little moment where, like, he kind of tries to call Paul back. He tries to rein it in. Paul's going to go storming off to go talk to Magic. And he just realizes it's not going to work. It's not worth the effort. And he just kind of, like, lets him go. Um, and you get the sense that, like, Pat Riley's fully aware of how bad of an idea <laughs> what Paul West said is about to do is—is is that yeah. how it for you? Or? Yeah, no, that 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 certainly hits it to to me. Adrian Brody plays it so well as a character that has to live on a fence between trying to placate a coach, develop a relationship with a player, position himself as someone who um, would be the right guy to eventually take over again. We don't associate Showtime Lakers with Paul Westhead for anybody that's unfamiliar with the Lakers. There's another coach who's coming. That's that's uh, we associate with. So he's yeah. just playing sort of this multi-layered character very, very well. I'm just, I've been so impressed by again, both of them, him and, and Jason Siegel. Yeah. And I was impressed. I mean, it doesn't feel to me like Pat Riley is out to stab Paul Westhead in the back here, at least right. in this episode. Right. It feels like he has a sense that things aren't working and yeah. Paul won't listen. You know, and you have that other scene where he says, you know, you're not leaving us any way out. Well, you know, like, and um, yeah, the, yeah, the well. scene in the Salt Lake game where they just had the confrontation on the bench. 
Magic's gone off. Westhead is running off to confront him. Pat calls to him and then lets it be basically a sign of you can go walk off that cliff. I'm not going to, I'm not going to stop you. You you go, (laughs) go ruin your chances here. Yeah. I think that's what I was referring to earlier. It's it's just subtle, perfect kind of. All right, man, can you go, go make your bed. Do it yourself. Yep. Exactly. uh, You know, we'll, we'll see what that bed looks like. Yeah. On Sunday. <laughs> no, no, no spoilers. No spoilers. Yeah. We're yeah. afraid from, as you say, the broad stroke of you don't associate Paul Westhead with the Showtime Lakers. Right. The details are, you know, they'll be there next week for sure. They'll be there next we week. Kind of know what's going to happen next That's week. That's right. I'm, um, I'm really looking, I'm really looking forward to episode five. I think this showdown, the confrontation is going to be going to be quite good. Yeah. Me too. Um, I think that's about all we have here on episode four. Anything we missed? I think that's it. That covers the high points. Um, like I said, we're we're moving at an interesting pace, but I think a good pace, and and we're, we're hitting the right notes. So, yeah, this week's episode is going to be. I'm interested to see what happens and then how fast they move after that. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, all right, so I guess that does it for this time. Thanks for listening. As always, please do check out the website, tvobsessive.com. Uh, you can follow the site on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Mastodon, if you so prefer. Search TV Obsessive and you know, you'll find it. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter on at Cameron CC. Um, Ryan, what do you want to plug? Yeah, I'll uh should have within the next 24 or 36 hours next piece on ahsoka coming up on tvobsessive.com i'm at cable box score on the x slash twitter and you can always find me there the uh the social media site formerly known <laughs> yeah. as twitter I, I it's so weird because i still i go to it in my web browser I st- it's still yep. twitter.com that's exactly what i was going to say it's bookmark for me is twitter and it shows up as twitter so who knows what's going on over there? I don't know what they're doing. The, the fact that they stopped calling tweets tweets, they changed <laughs> the button to say post. I mean, it's like, I don't know, man. I, what This is like Kleenex coming out and saying, please call them facial tissues. That's right. <laughs> I, 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 it's so weird. It's so weird. Uh, anyway, thanks everyone for listening. Please, you know, like, give us a good review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, you can also find us on YouTube. Please you know, check out the YouTube channel. Uh, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. And um, yeah, we'll be back next week with uh, Winning Time Season 2 Episode 5 next week. Okay. All right. Till next time. See you then. <laughs>